Amen. Okay, we're going to be in Mark chapter 6. The title of this is Faith for the Mighty Works. Mark chapter 6, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 6. The Bible says, He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And uh, are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went around among the villages teaching. Now, as I was reading this passage, I was struck once again at how the unbelief of the village was highlighted in the text as being the reason that no mighty work was done there. Again, the Greek word for faith is the word pistis. That's important because in this text, the word for unbelief is the word a-pistis. So if you put the a in front of pistis, really what you're getting is no faith. Pistis is faith, so a-pistis is no faith, but we don't translate it as no faith. We translate it as unbelief because it has the same meaning, correct? And that's important because we can then deduce that the reason for no mighty miracles being done in the village is because there was no faith on the part of the village. There was no faith in Jesus and in no faith in what he could do. And it's faith that is the key to seeing the manifestation of God's will in your life, in the earth, in the, in the world that we live in. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. All right, so uh, we're not going to do a, a, a big teaching on that, but just so you know, faith is, faith is present tense. I will get healed one day is not present tense. Faith is present tense, right? Um, you know, when Jesus showed up, he said, if you had been here whenever Lazarus was, my brother wouldn't be dead. That's past tense. And yet I know in the future when there will be the resurrection of the dead. That's future tense. But Jesus said, no, I am present tense. I am the resurrection and the life. And faith is present tense. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So it's the title deed is another way of saying that, of things hoped for. A title deed tells you that you are the owner of something. You can never, you may have never been to that thing which you bought. You can actually buy things over the phone and, and you can buy it, you can send the money. And, but once you get that title deed, that is the certification that you own what you bought even though you've never seen it. Faith is the title deed, the certification of that which God has promised that can become yours if you believe. And it's the conviction of things not seen. That word conviction, we can say the convincing evidence. Uh, I think we've used this uh, uh, illustration before that if you go to a jury and you've got a trial going on, then your job is to somehow to convince the jury of your side of what you're saying. And so you've got to paint a picture of what happened so they can see what happened even though they weren't there. 
Faith is the convincing evidence of things not seen. I know what happened even though I wasn't there. I didn't see it with my eyes. I know because of the convincing evidence of what took place, and I'm convinced this is what is the key, the case. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the title deed of things hoped for, and the convincing evidence of things which we may not have seen with our natural eyes. In Hebrews 11 and 6, it says, faith, without faith, any evidence with your eyes that he exists. I remember when I got saved, I was heard the gospel, got taught the gospel, uh, and, and really it was up to me to believe. I remember being in my room and I said, God, are you real? I, can't, I mean, I can't see you. There's my eyes can't see you. You know, we're, we're all about if I see it, I believe it. If you're from Missouri, it's called the show me state. I got to see it to believe it. Right? But the reality is you don't, it, it's impossible to please him for every, whoever would draw near him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him in my life. I know he's real. I've never seen him. But I hear him. I don't, I can't, you know, if my wife calls me, I hear her voice and I know that I'll see her at some point, particularly God. The only time I think I'll ever see the Lord is when I translate from this body to the next. Right? There are people that have the privilege of seeing angels. They have the privilege of seeing other things. I've never seen that. Pretty much everything that I is true, I've experienced his word in my life. So I have a foundation of faithfulness to, try, to put my faith in not just what he did at that one instance, but that his character is the same. And if his character is the same, say that faith is key and it is what I like to use, I got this from a guy named Miles Monroe, but it really, it really helped me. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. Without currency, one cannot do anything in this world. Right? I want, a, I want a place to live. Show me the money. Right? No money, no house. No money, no McDonald's. No money, no truck. You say, well, uh, you know, I was able to eat and I didn't have any money. Why? Well, somebody gave me some money. Still got money. Money is the currency of the kingdom. I mean, uh, is the currency of this world. You have to have money to do anything in this world. Well, in the kingdom of God, you cannot receive the promises of God without faith. And so, therefore, faith, in a sense, is the currency of the kingdom. If we go back to the previous chapter in Mark, we see faith in evidence to such an extent that even surprised Jesus. In Mark 5, 25-34, there was a woman who had the discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all she had and was no better, but instead grew worse. I remember I was going through a difficulty and I'd get going to the doctor. He said, take this pill. I took the pill. You know, every time you go get a refill, you got to pay co-pays, you, you know, all this stuff. Took the pill, didn't work, went back, take this one, took it, didn't work, went back, took this one. After better, and it's possible I was getting worse, right? <laughs> well, let me get back to her. Well, let me just tell you the end of my story so I don't leave it hanging. I might forget somewhere down the road. So after, I'm going to put my trust in you. I said, I'm not taking any pills tonight. And I put it off to the side and I said, I'm going to trust you. Had a great night of sleep. I've been struggling with sleeping. By the way, if you're here and you're struggling with sleeping, I believe God wants to heal you tonight. Okay? So anyway, um, and ever since then, the Lord has just, just absolutely did a work in my life. But the Lord who can work through the doctor. Right? So anyway, um, the woman heard the reports. Of, 
the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned say, who touched me? I kind of kind of like if it was one of us, he said, man, everybody's touching you. I bet you don't even have your wallet on you anymore. Everybody's. What do you mean who touched me? And, and, and he looked around. Faith. You see? Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Be healed of your disease. What did he tell her? Daughter, your faith has made you well. It was faith that made the woman whole. Why? Because faith accessed the power that was resident in Jesus. And you say, well, Jesus isn't here, but Jesus' narrative, his word was, is God-breathed. And when the Spirit of God and the Word of God get together, there is power that is resonant in this word. And the power is unlocked by faith. It was faith, and specifically this woman's faith, that was the catalyst for her healing. So now, let, let, me, let me touch on a couple of things here. Sometimes it's not your faith, uh, and we're gonna, let, let's do it this and I'm going to look at that, that's point number one. So getting back to our text, it says, He could do mighty, no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. That means that, to me, what the text was emphasizing is the lack of faith in the crowd. There was faith present, but not in the crowd. Now, why do I say that? Because there were some sick people being healed, so there was faith there, but not to the extent that mighty miracles could be done. <laughs> and I just love that. We're just believing God for unmighty miracles. <laughs> but we're believing God for regular miracles. I, I, and, and, and the Bible is saying, hey, Jesus was expecting to do mighty miracles. What is a mighty miracle? I don't know. If it's anything like Mighty Mouse, you know, I, I, I don't know what a mighty miracle is, but it's got to be something. It's when you get to Acts 19 where it says extraordinary miracles. When do miracles become ordinary? And Azusa Street, the, the accounts that I'm reading to you, there are many, many people, and many of them would say, how many miracles other people are seeing miracles? And if they went four days a week, that's, three, let's just say three, four times 12 miracles a week. Then what happens is the miraculous becomes expected. It by a miracle, it becomes an extraordinary miracle. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So anyway, um, faith was there, but not to the extent that Midas himself had that was the catalyst for a few people being healed. Now let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about, and, and, and maybe you'll understand what I'm trying to get at. So in Luke 7, 11 through 15, it says, Soon afterward he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearer stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus, Jesus gave him to his mother. 
All right, now let me, let me read another account, and then I'll come back and I'll show you what I'm talking about. John 11, 38 through 44. Then Jesus deepened to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? What is belief? Faith. Unbelief, no faith. So belief must be, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they might believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, to them, unbind him and let him go. So it should be quite evident that in these two accounts, there was no faith of the people who were dead. And you say, well, how do you know that? Because they were dead. They have no thoughts. I'm not saying, I'm saying in, in that little thing. I'm not, to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. But I'm talking about in the body itself. Dead people have no faith. So where was the faith present? I believe the faith was with Jesus. They were expecting them to stink. To be buried. Not to be raised. He is the son of God. But Jesus left heaven came to earth, and he became a man. We're not saying that he was any less God, but when he functioned on this planet, because he never did anything until he was baptized in water, and when he was baptized in water, the power of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God came upon him, the power of the Spirit, and that's when his ministry began. So as a man, Jesus would say, I say not by sight. Now the heavenly realm is invisible. Right? So Jesus, by what he's seeing and what he's hearing that's taking place in the heavenly realm, uh, I do the works that my Father is doing. And so what's happening? He's moving, playing faith. And these people were healed because of Jesus' faith. My contention, I've already said, is that faith is the currency of the kingdom. Right? Sometimes faith is going to be on the part of the person that's praying. Sometimes faith, which we're going to get to here, is on the part of the people that are being prayed. Because not only do you have faith in the person playing, but faith in the person that are receiving. But the whole crowd is full of faith. There's such an expectancy in the crowd that faith just is, is running so high that miracles take place and break out. So in the individual's faith, we're going to look at individual faith. We've already seen in the example of the woman who had the issue of blood that it was her faith, not Jesus' faith, that was the catalyst for their healing. Matthew 8, 5 through 13, when he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appearing, appealing to him, worthy to have you under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority. When he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Now, remember you to him. He didn't come wearing a, a, a kingly robe on him. He perceived by faith that he was a man of authority. And in faith, he said, all you got to do, because I see that you have great, because he had faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The east and the west and reclined at the table with Abraham, Isaac, born into the, a family by now that they're going to come into the kingdom and they're going to sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They don't have faith. I believe is a synonym for how about Matthew 9, 27 through 31? To him, and Jesus said to them, Yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes. Your faith, let it be done to you. And their eyes, let me, let, me just, let me just tell you that faith had already been evident. They were blind. 
particularly if you were outside, cry out. But guess what? Jesus him. Because they perceived to Jesus. Why? That if we just turn around, they wouldn't know. Awesome. So what happened? It could have been a couple of kilometers. It could have been a couple of... And they're blind because he's not turning around. And they keep on walking. They keep on going. And he said, do you believe that I'm... He said, let it be done according... Because of moment, the Lord to touch people, a plan for him to do everything he was doing. As you've sent me, Lord, into the world, so I send out Jesus doing it is the faith of the crowds. In our text, we need to either hinder them a few miracles here, I mean a few hinder. I want to see God. You say, why? We glorified. And God gets glory. That was in the past. But God can do everything. And I can't take credit for it. Because only God can do it. And so, right? Because it doesn't glorify God for people to be seminized. None of that glorifies God. He, that's why it says, all those, not some, not most, but all those who were with him. So in other words, they were sick, and he was... I've got another message at some point that will preach well. Satan. Sickness, disease, infirmity, afflict. God didn't do that. The devil does that. It's, the third point is important. As faith increases those, but I want to move into the... I want to move in walls saying, this is what God did for me. Even the world could not contain all the volumes of what did. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So anyway, I, well, Acts 5, 12 through 16, it says, Now many signs and wonders were real held them in high esteem, and more than ever believer. Because you can get converts that don't believe. It comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Because they've been taught that God doesn't do that anymore. I trust God till you're going to die and get to heaven and that's when you're going to see added to the Lord. Multitudes of believers. At least his shadow might fall on some of them. So who, right? And here's the, they're going to Brazil. Yeah, uh, Clute. You think he would go to Clute? Would he go to Freeport? I'm not sure if he'd go to Freeport. They're going to Freeport. They're going to Oyster Creek. They're, they're, going to, they're going everywhere, and they're getting the sick, and they didn't have cars back then. How do you think they brought these sick people if they were lame? How do you think they brought them? Do you think it, it was easy? Do you think it was a, a simple process? They all just call an Uber? No. They had to believe to such an extent that they were willing to exert themselves, get out of the way to go and get people. It's like, it's kind of like when you watch some of these guys that are, that are witnessing the power of God. They want everyone to get it. They go out and they go, hey man, come on in. And they go out of their way because they're expecting a miracle. These people were expecting a miracle and they brought, so I want you to see that faith was running high. Expectancy was overflowing. It was in abundance. That Peter's shadow, they would lay them in the streets and they didn't get jealous that God was using Peter. They just learned to work with how God was working. And they put the people in the streets that at least his shadow might fall on them. And the people gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits. And here's the most awesome thing. is one word in this whole text that is the most awesome one. And it's not the word heal. It's all. They were all healed. 
So I want you to see in this passage that believers were being added to the Lord. And believers, as I said, is not a designation as much as a description of what they were doing. It was more of a verb than it was a noun. The people that were being added to the church were believing as a group the promises of God. There was faith overflowing in the crowd, and it was evident by the deeds that they were doing because faith without works is dead. You show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. And they were going to go get sick people and going to get them and putting them in Peter's path that they would be healed. And guess what? They were. Why? Because as a group. Now, I know it's a different context, but the Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. There's, there's power in unity. There's power in group expectancy. There's power whenever faith begins to grow in the crowd. They were believing as a group. One more scripture, Acts 19, 8 through 12. He entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, Paul, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, what is unbelief? No faith, right? Speaking evil of the way before the congregation, Paul withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Now imagine, so what's happening here is, and they, what they would do is they'd go on their lunch hour and they would listen to Paul, right? And so uh, instead of going home to take a siesta, they would go listen to Paul. And it, it, was, it was hot. They didn't have air conditioning back then. They didn't have, it could have been cold. They didn't have heat back then. But they wanted the word of God so much that they would go listen to what Paul had to say. And they didn't just go on Sunday once a month. They were going every day. Why? Because they were, they were hungry. There was expectancy. They just believed and they wanted more. And the Bible says that he was reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus, and this continued for two years. Paul was teaching regularly, if not every day, for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And you might think to yourself, you might think to yourself, okay, so Paul preached all of Asia, the word of God. No, what was happening is the people that were coming to Paul, they were getting so full, they were overflowing, and then they would go tell other people. And they get so, they come back and other people, they get so full, they go tell other people. And there was such a spilling out. And, you know, we think, oh, we can't ever evangelize the whole world. I want you to know that it won't take hardly anything to evangelize the world if people would get excited about Jesus. You ever see that commercial that's saying, they told two people, and they told two people, and they told two people, and they told two. I want to tell you something, don't get long before you get to seven billion people. So that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. And remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, the ones that heard were the ones that wanted to hear. So to me, I'm contending that faith is running high, both Jews and Greeks. And because of that, that's why this verse is important. God was doing not just miracles. He was doing extraordinary Miracles. That means you have two categories. You have ordinary miracles, and you have extraordinary miracles. 
Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to hear no testimonies of ordinary miracles. I mean, I'm so tired of ordinary miracles. I want to hear the extra. Oh, you, what, yeah, uh, ordinary miracle? Nah, nah, we, we want to hear the extraordinary. Can you imagine? Seems ludicrous. I want to hear the miracles, but I want to hear the extraordinary. What kind of things must have been happening that you have a category of extraordinary miracles? Well, it tells you. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched Paul's skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. Isn't that amazing? So what happens when the Word of God is heard? Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. So I believe that faith... And these two examples was running high. And so unlike Nazareth where Jesus was not able to do any mighty work there because of unbelief, here many mighty miracles were taking place precisely because they believed. The city was full of faith as the multitudes were believing. So let me, let me conclude. As I stated before in the kingdom, you cannot receive the promises of God without faith. Faith is therefore in a sense the currency of the kingdom. While there are some amazing things that can be done when a few of God's people begin to believe, I believe the Bible teaches that when the people of God as a corporate whole, when the church begins to believe as a group, that's when we will begin to see more frequent, mighty works of God being done in our midst. And I want to encourage all of us not just to be called a believer in designation or name only, but to be a believer. As we do so, as we believe God and trust God and begin to, to, to move by faith, believing that God will do these things, it's my contention that we will see not just miracles, we will see extraordinary miracles on a frequent basis. Because Not because we have faith, although faith is important to this, but because God is attracted to faith. And when God is in the house, he's a, he's a miracle-working God. What was the song you say? Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, our God, that is who you are. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Here's a little plaque back there in the back that says believe. I think it was, uh, who was it that there was a miracle that, was it Catherine Coleman that she said only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. 